Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Living Hope Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information about our church, please visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com. Please join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you are a powerful and mighty God. We thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. We thank you that one day you will set all things right. And we thank you that we get to experience a small portion of that here as we wait for the fullness of your kingdom to come. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. It's amazing uh, just in communication how... Um, things can get misconstrued, misunderstood. Uh, sometimes it's very funny. Sometimes it's very hurtful. And it's just oftentimes just a misunderstanding. You meant one thing. Someone hears something completely different. And just kind of the extremes to which that can go. Um, earlier this week, um, I was picking up the kids. And so outside waiting for the kids. I'm, Rebecca probably knows this, where this is going. I'm standing with Rebecca. We're having a very nice chat. While I'm talking with her, her son Luke comes out of the classroom, right, runs to Becca, which is great, Uh, but the teacher wanted to explain why her son wasn't wearing a coat, and so she explained that he had just been hot in the classroom, and I mean, even though it's December, it's a very mild December, and there's no snow, there's no blizzard, whatnot, like it's just very nice out, and so that's why he's, he's not wearing a coat, and we're all fine and okay with that, and that kind of thing. The other thing, though, is that, you know, her son is named Luke. Growing up, I did not know any other Luke, right? So it was so, it still throws me off when I hear someone yell Luke. Like, I just assume that I'm getting yelled at, good or bad, or whatnot, right? It throws me off. So you can probably imagine my confusion when, when Luke's teacher sticks her head out the door and yells at Rebecca, and I'm standing right next to Rebecca, but yells at Rebecca that Luke is hotter than two pigs in a box, but it's not snowing, so I'm not going to fight it. <laughs> and for about three seconds, I was like, hmm? <laughs> Weird compliment, but I'll take it. The child, yes, that's right. It all makes much more sense now. But then on the flip side, about a week ago, I had had to, got to uh, spend, you know, three hours in an online Zoom call which with a bunch of other good Christian people because communication had gone sideways. And so we had to have this three-hour guided reconciliation time and because things were said or not said or weren't clarified or whatnot and so it just kind of turned into a whole mess and that kind of thing and it actually turned out really good um i wasn't nearly as drained as as i thought i would be um but you know things ended well but communication had just gone sideways and so now we had to have this guy mediate a conversation between all of us and it's amazing in our world just how peace can feel so elusive at times Um, So we're in an Advent series. We're looking at Isaiah 9-6, where Isaiah is prophesying that the coming Messiah, so that's Jesus, that the Messiah is going to be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting Father, 
and a prince of peace. So let me just read that section to you. I'm going to read some of the verses surrounding it. Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 2. You have, or, yeah, okay, uh, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult, every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Prince of Peace is a pretty um, bold title. Uh, there's a lot of expectation on something like Prince of Peace. What is like, there, there's this assumption that, that Prince of Peace, you are either going to change other people, or you're going to change me, or you, you're going to change how we interact. I mean, is this guy really going to end wars, end all wars? Perhaps you've seen this, North Korea, just this last week. It's the 10-year anniversary of the passing of Kim Jong-il, and so no one is allowed to celebrate any way, in any fashion, throughout the whole country for 10 days. And if you do, it's, it's prison, right? No birthdays, not even any funerals, no celebrations, and you got to walk around and look sad and depressed for 10 days or you get in a world of trouble. Like they have effectively banned happiness for 10 days. Prince of Peace just going to walk in and fix that? Prince of Peace going to be able to eradicate racism? Communities, people groups with long-standing blood feuds? Just going to walk in and make everything okay? People who hate just for your nationality, your political view, your gender, your race, your ethnicity. I once got to spend, um, a, really it was just about a day, uh, in Northern Ireland. We were in Belfast. And uh, th I mean, this was about 20 years ago, but wow. Wow. They so two groups, Protestant and Catholics, and they hate each other. I'm not sure it really has anything to do with religion, but maybe, I don't know. They literally have a giant wall dividing the city in half, and at nighttime they close the gates. All kinds of, of murals, both calling for peace and calling for, for violence. Um, when we were there, they, uh, how things operated or what they told us is that there really aren't like police stations. They're more military outposts. And that last 50 to 100 yards back to the, the, the police station is the most predictable, so it's the most vulnerable, so they always sprint in that last 100 yards. 
They also told us that at the time, the local hospital had become the world leader on knee reconstruction surgery. Because the local gangs, as a form of punishment, their favorite was to shoot you in the kneecap. And so the local hospital is now the world leader on knee reconstruction surgery. So Prince of Peace just going to show up and fix that? This week I was flipping through a book on counseling. Opening story um, um, in there, um, a gal who was pretty much hated by her mom and her dad her entire life. Um, She was told that when she was born, her mom left her at the hospital, and actually her aunt had to bring her home. And that's literally, I I can't tell you any more of her story from the pulpit just because of little ears in the audience. Like, it's just that bad. Just, Just know that she was hated by mom and dad her whole life. Hated. So Prince of Peace just going to show up and fix all her inner turmoil? If you're going to claim the title or the role of Prince of Peace, you better be ready to deliver. Because it is a messed up world and there are no easy fixes on any of this. In the Hebrew, Prince is uh, Sar, it, it means chieftain, Um, ruler, official, captain. Um, The word for peace, prince of peace, is actually shalom. That might be a word that that some of you have have heard before. Uh, Shalom is a very um, full um, word. It it means being whole. It means blessing. It means completeness. Uh, It means intact. It means kindness. Uh, It can mean prosperity or salvation. Um, It's a state of health. Um, It wholeness and and well-being. We tend to, sometimes we, we tend to view peace as just like a lack of conflict, right? And, and even in, in the examples that I gave you, right, like North Korea or Belfast or, or family brokenness, right? Like sometimes things are so bad, like we don't even hope for the good. We just want the bad to end. Like things are so horrific, like all, all hope for things being good, like forget it. We, we just want the bad to end and we'll be okay with that. But, but Prince of Peace, but Prince of Shalom is way bigger than just lack of bad. If I wish you Shalom, I wish you good physical health. If I wish you Shalom, I wish you a sense of wholeness and completeness. If I wish you Shalom, I wish you kindness. I wish you prosperity and safety. I wish for you that all is well. If I wish you shalom, I wish you deliverance and salvation. Jesus claims to be the ruler, the prince, the deliverer, the provider of all of that. When he says, prince of peace, prince of shalom. Uh, shalom is a Hebrew word. Or, or the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Um, the, the, in the Greek language, in the New Testament, they have a different word, uh, but similar. Um, Irene. Um, and that is the word that's used in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So, so I mean, if, in Hebrew, it would be like, blessed are the shalom makers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Last week, we talked about God as Father. God is everlasting Father. We talked about, you know, we're separated from God by our sins, enemies of God, 
but through Christ's death on the cross, we're, we're given this chance at adoption, and then we're called sons and daughters of God. But if we are to be sons and daughters of the Prince of Peace, then peace and shalom and irene are really characteristic of us as well. And despite this whole kind of cauldron of sin and suffering, as sons and daughters of God, in Galatians we're told that our lives are marked by joy and peace. Uh, Galatians 5.19, Now the works of the flesh are evident. So this is the environment we live in. Works of the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, uh, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things do not inherit the kingdom of God. But... The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Everything about that is counter, is opposite, is opposite direction of everything around us. Brokenness, sin, and suffering But fruit of the Spirit, peace, joy, love. When Jesus was getting ready to be crucified, uh, he's prepping his disciples for the Holy Spirit. John 14, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and, and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. One of my favorite verses about peace and the peace of God is actually found in Psalm 46. It's a very popular phrase. It says, be still and know that I am God. Great phrase, right? And, and David wrote a lot of the Psalms, and he's talking about you know, peace and contentment. You know, as a deer pants for the water, my soul longs for you. And he leads me beside still waters, and he restores my soul. And, and so for years, I pictured the, the context of be still and know that I am God as kind of just a very gentle, soft context. But the context of that is actually war. If you look at the psalm, it starts off this way. God is our refuge. And right there should, should give you a hint as to what we're talking about. Because if you need a refuge, it suggests that things are pretty rough right now. So it opens up, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. So again, talking about rough times. Therefore, we will not fear. And then there's kind of four different things. And just listen to just the calamity and almost like the violence of these four things. We're not going to fear, even though the earth give way. That's a rough one. The mountains are moved into the heart of the sea. The waters roar and foam. The mountains tremble. Verse 6, the nations rage. The kingdoms totter. And then it talks about God. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns a chariot with fire. And now here's that phrase. Be still and know that I am God. Wars 
cease, bows break, chariots burn, God says be still. Have you ever gotten fed up like with your kids arguing and bickering and so you just kind of storm in with like mom voice or dad voice and just kind of take control of the situation and you go outside and you go to your room and you clean up this mess and you, I mean like it's just full authority. It's kind of like that, only a lot bigger. Nations are raging, warring, battling. God comes crashing into the middle of it and yells, everyone stop. Everyone quit moving. Everyone be still. I am in charge here. And I will decide what happens next. God establishes peace. He, he creates peace. A few quick thoughts for you on all this. Remember that, that the fullness of Jesus as Prince of Peace is not fulfilled until he comes again. We get a little bit of it now, but the fullness will come when he comes a, a second time. Until then, life has hardships. Sin is real. Suffering is real. Satan is real. People make bad decisions. Sometimes those bad decisions affect us. Spiritually, we live in a war zone when it comes to, to worldview on on, on God and life and eternity and, and just f- philosophically we live in a war zone and it makes it hard because some of us are still affected by all of that. We're still affected by the sin and suffering. Hebrews 11, great chapter. It lists all these great men and women of faith but in the middle of that chapter there's a few verses on like their mindset, their, their worldview. And I think it's helpful for us today. Hebrews 11 verse 13 Then all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. Can you see, can you greet the fullness of God's kingdom from afar? Part of it is here, now, yes, good. God's working around us, he's working within us, but the fullness of that, right? That, that, that point where all creation is rendered completely peaceful, that we welcome from afar. Second, people don't always understand Jesus as Prince of Peace. In fact, the Pharisees did not see Jesus as Prince of Peace, and in fact, they called him the Prince of Demons. Matthew 9, Matthew 12, Mark 3, Luke 11. From their perspective, he was so problematic or so whatever that they labeled him Prince of Demons, Prince of Satan, not Prince of Peace. People will continue intentionally, unintentionally, a little bit of both, not sure, people will continue to misunderstand the gospel. The, um, I listened to a podcast. There's probably more research to do on this. Um, uh, the, the gentleman on the podcast it was a pastor, is a pastor in Canada, and he was explaining some of the legislation that just got um, passed. And, I mean, as, as he shares it, it is absolutely really bad 
um, it, it makes any kind of what they would call conversion therapy illegal. So the short version of all this is what that means, is that if someone, you know, comes to you and says, hey, I struggle with same-sex attractiveness, I struggle with um, a desire for transgender, um, will you help me move away from that? Any kind of counseling to help someone move away from that is now illegal. Even if they ask for it, even if it's a child, even if you take them out of the country and do it elsewhere, it is illegal. Now, you can counsel them in the opposite direction, and that happens all the time. We have an, a friend, an associate, who went down that path, and all, yeah, all different kinds of stuff. So you can counsel one way, but it's now illegal to counsel the other way. Huge implications for the church, ministry, what they can provide citizens. The gospel is life. The gospel is freedom. The gospel is freedom from sin. It's new creation. It's joy. It's, it's acceptance. It's adopted as sons and daughters of God. But yet pockets of secular society will associate us with evil. Humanity so loves its sin that it will criminalize any efforts to move away from it. Hear that again. Secular society, humanity, so loves its sin, it will criminalize efforts to move away from it. And in fact, humanity will continue to enact legal protections around their sinfulness and around their depravity, which is why we have Roe versus Wade, right? Humanity will enact legal protections around their sinfulness. And, and it makes it harder and harder for us to say, hey, you can be free from that. The fullness comes when Jesus comes, so we welcome it from afar. Secondly, people will intentionally, unintentionally refuse to see Jesus as the Prince of Peace and instead associate him and at times us with the, uh, the Prince of Demons. Third, peace doesn't necessarily mean free from conflict or free from tension. Um, Jesus said that as people follow him, it's going to create divisions in their circle of friends and sometimes even their, their, own, um, their own family. And so he says this. He's going to say two very opposite things. He says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother. But now listen to this one. And a person's enemies will become those of his own household. When you say yes to Jesus, there are times where family becomes enemies and enemies become family. Because it's no longer who has similar genetics. It is who has made Jesus center of their life. And, though, and that's where you find family, and association. We know that when Jesus returns a second time, he's going to come storming in on his white war horse. He's going to set everything straight. But what about now? Do we get to experience any part of this, any sense of this now? Is there any sense um, on the fullness of it, right? I mean, like, can God actually bring peace to North Korea even now? Robert Woodbury Write that name down. This is fascinating. Um, Baylor University. 
Robert Woodbury is director of the Project on Religion and Economic Change, a senior research professor at Baylor University. Most of his research uses comparative historical statistical methods to analyze the long-term social impact of missions and religious change on societies around the world. In his ongoing work on the history of Protestant missions, sociologist Robert Woodbury has done an amazing amount of statistical analysis using a vast volume of historical data entered by an army of student workers to demonstrate the benefits of Protestant missions. In fact, in an article in American Political Science Review from May 2012, Woodbury demonstrates historically and statistically that conversionary Protestants heavily influenced the rise and spread of stable democracies around the world. It argues that uh, conversionary Protestants were a crucial catalyst initiating the development and spread of religious liberty, mass education, mass printing, newspapers, voluntary organizations, and colonial reforms, thereby creating the conditions that made stable democracy more likely. History has shown that if you want to take a country and move it into stable democracy, step one, you send in the missionaries. If you're going to teach them about the gospel, you've got to give them Bibles. You want to read the Bibles, you've got to teach everyone to read including the women and the young girls, everyone gets an education. You want to get the Bibles out, you need to establish mass printing. Right? All of these things that these missionaries did, kind of one of the spin-off effects of it was that basically it created the environment that was ripe for democracy to get set up in that country. Can God bring peace to a place like Belfast? Paul and Sarah, the missionaries that we support in Paris are working with a, a deal called Building Leaders for Peace where they see people from all different kind of ethnicities who have a history of hating and killing each other. They come together, they do these week-long camps and, and, it, and they're, they're building peace between these two groups. So it's kind of like Belfast except for its um, Middle East um, cultures and ethnicities. So yes, Paul and Sarah are doing it right now only in the Middle East. And, and even the, the girl that I told you about, I mean, horrible beginning, but through counseling and biblical counseling, much better now. Much better. And someday you and I will get to meet her in heaven and hear her story. In all of this through Jesus, the Prince of Peace, we have peace with God. And that is the most wonderful peace given. Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the most wonderful thing to us, to be able to rest with him, to find reassurance in him, to find purpose and identity in him, to find family in him, to find redemption of our families in him, redemption of communities and even warring nations in him. Peace with, your, with, with, with family and other people, that is great. It, it will last a little while. It may even last your lifetime. But peace with God will last to eternity. And ultimately, that's the peace that we want to help others find. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you that you claim such a bold title like Prince of Peace. And that is a bold claim because things are pretty broken. And Lord, we look forward and we welcome from afar when you will come again and the fullness of that will be established here on earth and all things will be made right. Lord, in the short term, we get to taste little bits of it and we are so thankful. Lord, for all those who are gathered here, I pray that they would experience peace personally. I pray that they would experience peace with family and friends. I pray that they would experience peace with enemies. Lord, we pray for Paul and Sarah as they facilitate peace between different ethnic groups. Lord, thank you for the Christmas season. Such a ripe opportunity to talk about peace and the peace that you bring. We worship you and we love you. In your name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have any questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com or email me directly at luke at livinghopehenderson.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.